not complete yet. You are a masterpiece in process. But as we go, we'll see God doing a work of purification. And the purification of heart is a work of transformation that God is wanting to do in each one of us. Each one of you, right where you are today. If you ask yourself, what does God want to do? He wants to do a work of purifying your heart today. And as He purifies your heart, you will see Him more clearly. You will see what He's doing. You'll see the work that He's about. And that's a beautiful thing. You have not arrived at the pinnacle. (laughs) Sorry to burst your bubble. Pastor Daniel will explain this more today as he talks about purification of your heart as a follower of Jesus. He'll remind you that growing as a believer is an ongoing process. It doesn't end until you're home with Jesus in heaven. Don't assume you've reached perfection in this life ever. Instead, continue to learn about Jesus and learn what he means to you. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Matthew chapter 5 as he continues his message, Crazy Happy Satisfaction. Justice is giving somebody what they deserve, right? But really what we realize is that as Jesus is fulfilling our hearts, Our happiness is found in not us making sure people get what they deserve, but us choosing not to give them what they deserve. So someone speaks to us harshly and we return with a kind word. Somebody chooses to be mean towards us and we not only receive that, but we instead we bless them in return. All of these are examples of mercy. And really what it's saying is, blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. And so really the idea here is we end up giving to other people what God has given to us. Now there's one thing that I love so much about following Jesus is the fact that I love Jesus but I'm aware that I'm still a total train wreck. Like I love God because he first loved me. I believe in Jesus, I believe that he is the son of God. I believe that he died across for my sins and I believe that he rose again. And because I believe that, I am still very aware of the fact that I fail in a million ways every single day. And I am constantly aware that although I fail, God never gives me what I deserve. If I got what I deserve, if I got what I was entitled to, the only thing that I get is separation from God in hell. But God didn't give me that, did he? God doesn't give you that, does he? He gives you what you didn't deserve. And that's the whole thing. And when you experience the mercy of God, then we want to be able to pay it forward, so to speak. And not like we get it now, we give it, but it's like it flows into our lives by the Spirit because of who Jesus is. And then we start saying to ourselves, I'm not going to do to them what they did to me. I'm going to do better to them than what they did to me. And this whole heart concept of mercy is radical in a world that only wants to give you worse than you deserve. Like our culture is bent on escalation and bringing pain to people. And the people of God have a whole different mindset because Jesus didn't do that with us. I was thinking about that. I was just talking to my bride about this recently. I remember when I was invited to 
to join the pastoral ministry as a young leader. And I remember I had to go before the elders of the church, the church board for ordination. And I'll never forget it because I was so racked with shame and guilt over my past. And I remember I was just like, the enemy was on me and I was just really struggling. And I thought to myself, I could never be a pastor. And a couple days before this elder meeting where I'm gonna have to talk to these godly leaders and men in, in the church that I was a part of, and I went to my pastor and I said, Pastor John Henry, I can't do this. I can't be a pastor. And I just started like listing like, the really bad highlights of the Fusco story. And there was a lot of them. I mean, it was, it was like a, a documentary. Multi-parts, you know what I mean? Like, this is talking about which season and what was a, what was a mess. And I'll never forget, because my, my pastor got mad at me, which I hadn't seen before. But he got mad at me in a righteous way, because he said, Daniel, if God has forgotten this, who are you to remember it anymore? And I was just like, oh. And I think there's a word for somebody here today. Because literally, God has taken those mistakes and separated them as far as you are as the east is from the west. But we have a tendency to never let anybody off the hook for these things. But really what he's saying is like, Daniel, God has been merciful to you. You can be merciful to yourself. And in a world full of broken people, mercy sticks out like a sore thumb because you won't find it anywhere. But it should be the characteristics of the people of God. And of course, Psalm 18, verses 25 and 26 says it this way. With the merciful God, you will show yourself merciful. With the blameless, you will show yourself blameless. With the pure, you will show yourself pure. And with the devious, you will show yourself shrewd. It's a powerful verse, really. God meets mercy with mercy. Now, from there, and, and there's so much we can talk about, but we want to cover the rest of the Beatitudes today. It says this in verse eight. It says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So I would say to you this way, that purity focuses your vision. Pure, see, purity focuses your, your vision. And really, oh, how happy is the pure in heart. Now you have to realize that the purity of heart that this is speaking about is not something we do to ourselves. It's what Jesus has done to us in giving us mercy, giving us grace, applying the spirit of God to our lives. His death on the cross purifies the human heart. As I like to say, God has a strange color wheel. Crimson red sin plus the red blood of Jesus equals white as snow. So once a person comes to Jesus, then God does a work of purifying our hearts. And when our hearts are pure, notice, oh, how happy are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And I think that this is really important because what God wants for each one of us, what God wants for me and what he wants for you is that as you move through this messed up, broken, confusing, challenging world that you see him at work in all of it. There's an old saying that I heard that if you can't see God in everything, you probably can't see him in anything. Because God is an ever-present help in time of need, because God never sleeps nor slumbers, because he is always with you, 
that at every turn of your life, no matter how good or bad it is, he is there. The key for us is awareness. And one of the reasons we are not aware of the presence of God is because we have a tendency to let all the confusing things take our awareness as opposed to keeping our awareness focused on Jesus. But as God grows us up in the experience of the purification that he wants to do in each one of us, we begin to see his fingerprints, his handiwork in the midst of the stuff. Between the pandemic, the election, the civil unrest is like, Jesus is real. Like, he's still king no matter what. Like, he hasn't left anybody. He's the sovereign over everything. And it was amazing how much I needed to really make sure that we kept reminding ourselves of these things. Because, man, to watch people fly off the handle as if stuff is happening that Jesus isn't in control of was really odd to me. It was like, wait, but you're solid in Jesus. Like, why are you freaking out? You know? But can we just be honest? We all freaked out a little bit in different ways. So I was on the journey too of just like, no, no, I want to see Jesus in these things. And I think we have a tendency to see Jesus in the good things and divorce Jesus from the bad things. But you have to remember in the bad things, Jesus is present and real doing a work of redemption in the bad things. It's not that Jesus wants the bad things. Jesus leverages the bad things to bring good things. And as we trust him, our hearts are, we start to walk in the purity that he's given us. And this is what the Bible calls sanctification, really. Sanctification, it's a big word, Write it down if you play words with friends or Scrabble. It's got lots of syllables. You'll do good. You know what I mean? You get lots of points for the word. But literally what it means, it it means our experience at street level of what God has already done in our hearts. So in some ways, it's like when a person comes to know Jesus. Now, I realize that here at Crossroads, many of you have put your faith and trust in Jesus, and many of you have not yet done that. Now, for those of you who have not yet done that, let me say, I love that you're here. And I want to welcome you here to Crossroads. This is a great place to learn about Jesus and explore who he is. We realize everyone's on a different step of their faith journey. Your step is yours. So we want you to feel free to take steps here with us. But when a person says yes to Jesus, there is a positional change. You go from being guilty to not guilty. You go from being imperfect to perfect in Christ. It's a position change. It's like all of a sudden, like, like when a couple gets married, on the day they get married, right before they get married, they're two flesh. And on the day they get married, they become one flesh. It's a positional change, right? So that change of position is powerful. But really what happens is, is then that change of position becomes a change in experience over time. Anybody who's gotten married knows on the day you became one flesh with your spouse, were you guys like perfectly melded together like hand and glove? No. Some of you were like, yes, and we all don't like you, you know? It's like you're married and you're one flesh, but you're still not really functioning that way. And then as you grow in marriage, you grow and your experience of being one flesh becomes deeper and more profound as like, you know, you, you use the jackhammer on each other's character and, and you use the, the sandpaper on each other's character. And at some point, it's like it fits together. 
Now, in the same way, when a person says yes to Jesus, you are positionally justified, just as if you'd never sinned. You are perfect in Christ. But then every day as you walk with Jesus, and God is doing that work of sanctification in your life, there are things that are getting changed that all of a sudden you begin to experience more and more of who you really are positionally in Jesus. That's called sanctification. And as that's happening, God is changing your heart. I like to tell people that when they first come to Jesus, oftentimes the things that Jesus works on are the external things. Right? There's like, oh man, I got to stop drinking. I got to stop cussing. Right? I got to change this. You know, I'm kind of, you know, I'm kind of aggressive. Like there's external things that are problems. And those are apparent, so you work on them right away. And at some point as a follower of Jesus, a lot of those external things, you don't have them anymore because God has changed you. And then you're like, oh man, then I'm perfect. No, you're not. Now the nasty work of the heart change begins. Like, the, yeah, you, like you're a super godly person, but you look down on everybody who does the things you used to do. Guess what? That pride, ugly, not like Jesus. He wants to take that out of you. You know what I mean? Like maybe you're the kind of person who you really, really think that when you see someone, you know everything about them. You, you assume that you understand their motives. <laughs> You ever pray about that? I have. God's like, oh, Daniel, your assumptions are jacked up, you know? So it's like he does the heart work, and that's a lifetime process. It's a life, and that's God is doing a work of purification in my heart. I always tell people, people say, well, Daniel, you know, like, how do I know that I'm really walking with Jesus when you could say I'm not what I used to be? And that's how you know you're walking with Jesus. You also know you're walking with Jesus when you say, I know that God's not done with me yet. Because if someone's like, I'm not what I used to be, and I'm all the way there, I'm like, (laughs) no, you ain't. No, you're not. You are not complete yet. You are a masterpiece in process. But as we go, we'll see God doing a work of purification. And the purification of heart is a work of transformation that God is wanting to do in each one of us. Each one of you, right where you are today. If you ask yourself, what does God want to do? He wants to do a work of purifying your heart today. And as he purifies your heart, you will see him more clearly. You will see what he's doing. You'll see the work that he's about. And that's a beautiful thing. Of course, it says it this way, Psalm 24, verses 3 to 6. Who will ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation This is Jacob and the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face. I love this. Who will stand in this holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart. It's beautiful, isn't it? Now, why do you have clean hands? Because you have a pure heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, we do all these things. We speak all these things. And as God purifies our hearts, our actions change. Now, from there, verse 9 Matthew chapter five, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. Oh, how happy are the peacemakers. So my friends, be a peacemaker. It's pretty simple, isn't it? In every situation you find, because you are in Christ, the happy person is the person who seeks to make peace. Now, We have to just come to terms with the fact that we live in a world that 
Our world is characterized by conflict and rivalry. Isn't it true? I mean, like, it's almost, you almost never see a place where there's not conflict and rivalry. But really what you find here is that in a world full of conflict and rivalry, somebody who keeps the peace is rare. And someone who makes peace is even more rare. Because it doesn't just say, be a peacekeeper. It says, blessed are the peacemakers. So I'll be honest with you. So like, if you know my personality at all, and some of you have been here for a while, so you're like, yeah, we totally get you. Like, I like creating some chaos every once in a while. It's like, I just enjoy like what's going to happen, right? Like I just, and sometimes I'll just do things just to see what's going to happen. You know, like I wonder what's going to happen here. Now it's not like horrendous, but like, like, you know, my friends used to call me a grenade thrower. They're like, I'd be in like a, in a, in a circle of people and people would be talking and you'd see that there's like, oh, there's like a little, there's a little differences here. And then I'd like kind of pull the pin and drop the grenade right in the middle and just watch the fallout you know, and it's like a, a, it's a flaw in my character, you know, especially when I realize that, is that being a peacemaker? No, I'm being an instigator, and being an instigator is the opposite of being a peacemaker unless I am instigating peace, right, and so, so I bring this up because I think some of us are like this where we get in the moment, and we get excited about something, and instead of being a peacemaker, we become an instigator of conflict. And my friends, it's no bueno. Because Jesus is a peacemaker. Think about it. While we were yet sinners, the Bible says, Christ died for us. While we were in rebellion, Jesus came to make peace for us with God by dying on a cross for our sins. And when we're in a situation, and especially right in this cultural moment, it's like the people of God have just felt like this liberty to be instigators of conflict in the name of Jesus. And I'm like, no. Because Jesus is a peacemaker. Brothers and sisters, be a peacemaker. I'm sure for right now, for all of you, there are relationships and situations where right now as I'm talking about being a peacemaker, you're like, yeah, I haven't been doing a good job in that one. And listen, praise the Lord that right now that popped in your head because that's where God wants you to work right now. What do you need to do to initiate proactive peacemaking in these areas? Maybe you need to go and say, hey, listen, I'm super sorry. I'm sorry. I was instigating conflict. And because Jesus made peace for me with God, because Jesus by his spirit has placed the peace of God in my heart that surpasses all understanding, forgive me for not making peace. The apostle Paul said it this way, that we should live peaceably with all people when it's within our power. Now, I love what Paul said there because what he's saying is that it's not always possible. But for us as followers of Jesus, those of you who call yourself by the name of Jesus, what I want to tell you is that your job is to seek to initiate and instigate peace and do your best to try and maintain it if it's there. You can't make someone be at peace with you. You can't force peace on another party. We can only offer it. And I believe that God is glorified when the people of God step on out and say, hey, I'm going to make peace. I'm going to try and fix what I broke. And what I love is that 
Oh, how happy are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. So when we're peacemakers, we're like chips off the old block. We have the family qualities of the father. So we want to be a peacemaker. Now, the last two Beatitudes, verses 10 to 12, kind of land us in a place that I think is a little shocking. Because listen to what it says. It says, blessed are those who persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who are before you. Now, it's kind of crazy that he says, oh, how happy is the person who is persecuted for righteousness' sake. Because theirs is the kingdom. And then it says, happy are you when they revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. What this means is that, and I hate to burst the bubble, but the crazy happy life isn't always easy. Like you have this tendency to think if I am following Jesus on this crazy happy way of I'm aware of my, my poverty of spirit, so I'm humble, I mourn because of my own brokenness, the brokenness of the world, I walk through the world meekly, and I'm merciful to people, you know, and God is purifying my heart, and I'm a peacemaker, obviously everyone's going to like me. Wrong. Sometimes when you are just like Jesus, people absolutely don't like you. And I think it's such a a unique way to look at happiness because again, blessed means, oh, how happy. Jesus says, oh, how happy are you when everyone doesn't like you? Now, most of us think, man, I'll be really happy when everyone likes me. If everyone likes me, I'm happy. If someone's mad at me, I'm not happy. And Jesus is actually saying, no matter what you do, if you follow Jesus, there will always be people who don't like you. And that's okay. Because Jesus said, they actually did it to me first. Listen to John chapter 15, verses 17 to 21. These things I command you, Jesus said, that you love one another. Now listen to this. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I choose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they would keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. Jesus is real. Peacemaking sounds easy, right? But as you learn from Pastor Daniel today, it isn't always the case. As a follower of Jesus, you're called to be a peacemaker, though, no matter what. Pastor Daniel reminded you that you can't force reconciliation on others, and not everyone will like you, but you still need to try. Continue the effort to establish harmony in rocky situations, even when the situation seems hopeless. Hey, everyone, there's a lot happening in the world, and it can keep you pretty busy. But I want to encourage you to take some time and devote it to your spiritual growth. 
I know God wants to do something in your life, and I'm excited for you to discover exactly what that is. Come join me for a worship service at Crossroads Community Church Online so I can share the Bible with you. Join me online at crossroadschurch.net or find me on Facebook Live. We're so glad we can be a part of your life through the ministry of Jesus is Real Radio. Would you like to be a part of what we're doing? We would like to ask that you prayerfully consider becoming a financial partner of this program. Your contribution, no matter the size, will be used to reach people with the gospel message. Find out more at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Thank you for partnering with us. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel moves from discussing the Beatitudes to looking closer at the fruit of the Spirit a passage of scripture that directly relates to this idea of being crazy happy. The fruit of the Spirit, things like love, joy, patience, self-control, all come from being filled with the love of Jesus. You find the same things out in the world, so you need to pick. Will you follow Jesus or something else? We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series called Crazy Happy. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.